So happy Mother's Day. So I'm going to pray for the mothers. So again, I'm going to invite all the mothers to stand up. And I'm really going to bless you. You know, uh, this is probably going to be, I, I keep saying that, uh, uh, the last Mother's Day sermon I do, you know. Uh, actually, I always believe that on Mother's Day, the mothers don't have to work. So, <laughs> and preaching is hard work. But nevertheless, I'm going to bless you with this one, uh, a prayer from the Lord. Amen. So every mother, just wave at me. Wave at me. almost feel like you should have stood up when those two guys sang, you know. And so you, da, 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 da. Wow, so beautiful. Come, let's just bless you. Reach out your hands, shall you? Just, let's do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to bless myself as well. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Do you know what? I'm going to ask every woman to stand. Whether you're a mother or not. Sorry, today is not just Mother's Day. It's Woman's Day. Come, every woman stand. Every woman stand. Wow, isn't that wonderful? Yeah, you are a woman. Stand. Stand with me. Even if you're a little girl, stand with me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, our Heavenly Father, when you look at all these wonderful women that you have made, you would say to them, you are truly the apple of their eye. Truly the apple of their eye. You love us. You created us for such a time as this. So Heavenly Father, I'm going to ask you to bless them as you have blessed me with really knowing who they are as women, that they would treasure their womanhood. They would praise God that they are made women and nothing else. That from this day forth, they will know, O oh Lord God, what it means to be a woman, what it means to be a mother, what it means to be a sister, what it means to be even a friend. Lord, I bless each and every one of my wonderful sisters. I bless them, Lord God, with the joy of the Lord, the oil of joy that is, I just feel the Lord saying, would be like perfume in your spirit. And this joy will permeate everywhere they go so that they carry the sweet, beautiful fragrance of Jesus wherever they go. And Lord, I bless the families that they have tried so hard to bring together. May their families bless them today. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's mothers and women say aloud, Amen. 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 I've got the most wonderful woman in our midst, Mimi. <laughs> Without Mimi, I'm gone, okay? She's amazing. She's going today to run my slides for me. And she's chosen on this, my Mother's Day, to bless me by being my slide ticker so that I don't have to worry. Thank you, Mimi. So sweet of her. You know, I never really wanted to share uh, on Mother's Day again because I felt that on Mother's Day I should take a break, right? But <laughs> I did promise my husband, I said, actually, I want to share. I want to share before I'm too old and I can't share. So today I'm going to try and give you what I normally do in a women's conference that lasts three days. And we did a, uh, we did a thing for women last year during the pandemic that took 13 Sundays, two hours each Sunday. So I'm going to try and do it in only 45 minutes. Uh, first today, we're going to deal with this topic, embracing the worth of a woman. So there are two parts to this message, embracing the worth of a woman, which is the, really the bottom line. And then secondly, tomorrow, embracing womanhood. So if you like it, uh, you may want to come back tomorrow. But don't worry, if you don't, I won't be uh, offended at all. Amen? I won't be offended at all. I just go to whatever uh, suits you. 
But I want to start by sharing with you that women has had a long journey. Incidentally, why I love to understand the whole topic of womanhood is because I myself went through quite a journey of woman, a womanhood. There are two things I always ask God, why did he create me? Number one, why did he create me a woman and not a man? Because I went through a lot of ups and downs being created a woman. Second thing is I used to ask the Lord, now because I've lived in the time when we studied English literature, English history, and English everything. So I asked the Lord, why did you make me Malaysian? Why couldn't I have been born British? And preferably the Queen of England's daughter, where I can drink tea, you know, like that. So I like, Lord, I, I think you really made a mistake. You know, you don't know how to give birth to children. Uh, you don't know how to create us rightly. So this journey of womanhood is a little bit a, a personal journey. And I hope that it is, helps you. And it, I hope that it blesses you. It really has been a tremendous blessing to me to let God really take me through on journey to understand what on earth has happened to womanhood. So starting with this journey, that starts with in the dark ages, in the times when the dinosaurs roamed the earth, men dominated the earth. And when I say dominated, literally they dominated. And it meant that they would treat women as suppressed. In fact, if I were to tell you how suppressed... Next. <laughs> Sorry. If I were to tell you how suppressed they were, you would be surprised because the women had no rights at all. They had no value. And in those days, women were considered a possession. In other words, a woman not only did not have a value, uh, did not even have no value. A woman had nothing. She was like a table. So if a table, you did today, you light it, tomorrow you don't, you could throw away the table. And that woman would have no recourse to justice at all. And that was the story of womanhood for many thousand years, even in the times of the Bible. But if you look at the Bible, it never does that. So it's interesting how Christians can know about God and still follow the spirit of the ages. Not only were the women suppressed, can I have the slide please? Yeah, sorry. There was a loss of worth in women. And when the loss of worth, because if you totally suppressed a woman, and she totally has, she's not a thing, she's not a human being. She, okay, put it this way. She's not a human being, she's a thing. She's just a thing. She's an object, she's like a box. She's like a table, she's like a chair. She's nothing. Definitely, the woman has no worth. And when the woman has no worth, because she's still a human being, inside her, there's every spirit of oppression. Inside her, there's a big dissatisfaction. Because we are human beings. Whether we accept it or we don't accept it, we are all human beings. Am I right, girls? Incidentally, guys, today I'm only talking to the girls. You're merely eavesdropping. And if you don't like it, it's just too bad for you because today is a girls' day. And all the girls say, yeah. Come on, give me a thumbs up, girls. Give me a thumbs up. It's all about the girls today. Let's admit it, girls. We are human, aren't we? And if someone treats us that way, it's only natural that something in us wells up called anger, frustration, injustice, everything within us cries, this cannot be right. So what happens? Well, we fight back. We are wounded. And the worst thing is woundedness. Because with every wound and resent, resentment, the woman fights back. And when she fights back, she's not necessarily nice. 
So in the old, old days, women, I don't know how they fight back. Maybe they poison their husbands, I don't know. <laughs> really don't know what they do in those days, right? But it was, a, it was that kind of background that women were treated. But this went on for many thousands of years until the suffragette movement. The suffragette movement, I think, happened round about just after the Second World War. And this caused a rise in women to really begin to recognize this cannot be right. And it is often called this feminist movement. To a certain extent, the feminist movement was a necessary movement to address the pains and the woundedness and the heartaches of women, the resentment and the, the heartaches. So what happens when there is women rising up? They began to champion what's called female supremacy. So there were films made. Uh, I can still remember. This is like the Dark Ages type of film, right? I can't remember. I was just a kid when I saw this film. The Amazon women. And in this world, there were only women, no big ties and uh, women. Wow, what a horrible film, but never mind. Uh, it was that kind of film. What was it trying to, what was a, a, that film trying to state? It was trying to state that, look, we women are just as important as you men, if not even more important. We need female supremacy. And with the rise of female supremacy, it naturally caused the men to now go into a confused state or suppressed manhood. Now, men, remember you're only eavesdropping. Actually, girls, what we don't realize is that when we see a lack of male leadership, it is primarily because they are confused. They want to support the women. They want to now, they want to make things right. They knew their great-great-great-grandfathers did it wrong. So they want to make things right. But in making things right, they don't know how much to give in to female supremacy. So in giving in to female supremacy, the men's leadership and the men's role began to be a little bit confused, especially in homes. And as a result of this, I would dare say it leads to loss of male maleness, the rise of the men. The male ego, to a certain extent, was so, well, male egos are not a good thing. I'm not going to go there. But the maleness was confused. And this is how gender confusion comes about. Gender confusion, to me, is not an overnight thing that developed. It's a consequence of the way women has been handled in the past. But in readdressing the way women has been handled in the past, because human beings do what is right in their own eyes and they do not know where to go to look for the worth of a woman, they naturally did the opposite. If men suppressed us in the past, now we suppress them. And if men used to dominate us, now we will tell them what to do. And as a result of this, there is a loss of understanding of roles and even the value of marriage. I just want to show you a chart so as to summarize what I've shared. But before I do that, I want to mention four things that actually all of us, whether we're male or female, we actually ask these questions. There are four questions we ask when we deal with ourselves. The first is actually personhood. Who am I? Now, this is a very important question. How many of you here are human? Some are not. Yeah. If you are human, you need to ask the question, what does it mean to be a human being? 
This is called personhood. Who am I? Who am I as a human being? And that is called personhood. It's not called womanhood. It's not called manhood. It's called personhood. The second question we need to ask is purpose. What is the purpose of me being a woman? Why could, what is the purpose of men? Why couldn't God have made all men and all women? Why made men and women? What is the purpose of it? Thirdly, what is the, who has the most power? Now, this is an important question because after the fall, you don't need to look at the Bibles, but in Genesis chapter 3, if you look at it, it says that the women would suddenly find that they needed to be defined by a man. That men would rule over them. That's the actual verse in Genesis chapter 3, verse 16. That men would rule over them. But this word rule over them has taken a very different meaning from what God meant. It has meant domination. It has meant oppression. It has meant who has the more power, who, who, who calls the shots, who is the boss. It is not what God intended. And so the whole question of domination becomes a real issue. And finally, of course, the whole question of sexuality. What is sexuality? What is gender? What on earth does that, how does that fit into us as a human being? So I'll just show you a chart, all right? Because this is a useful chart, and it shows you these four areas, personhood, power, purpose, and sex. In the traditional view, personhood was just a possession, as I mentioned to you. It was not a person, not even human. Secondly, power went to the men. The men had every power. Do you know, even the Jewish rabbis used to wake up in the morning and say, Lord, I praise you. I am not born a dog, nor a woman. How disgusting. But that's how it was. Why? Because it was male domination. And with that, came this whole idea that the whole purpose of women is just to have children. If a woman did not have children, she is a gone case. The, the husband had every right to just put her away and just get, out, get rid of her. And this has been going on for a long time. And of course, sex was primarily men pleasure, male pleasure. Now, when the swing goes to female supremacy, or in what we call feminism, Naturally, it began to speak of something called equal rights. I want to say to all of us here, equal rights is not a bad thing. It is only when it's carried wrongly to the extreme. In fact, equal rights came from the Bible. Galatians 3 verse 26 says, And you are all sons of God in Christ Jesus. For there is neither Jew nor Greek races, there's neither male nor female gender. There's neither slave nor free man status. But all are equal or same in Christ Jesus. So when we talk about equal rights, that's where it originally sprang up. But when we carry it to an extreme, when we turn the equal rights that I must be right, you must be wrong, it becomes a fight. And when it is a fight for my rights, then an ugly thing sets in it becomes female domination. In fact, with that, to a certain extent, it's not bad, but when taken to the extreme, it becomes a whole different ballgame. What actually were the women fighting for in equal rights? 
What they were fighting for was equal opportunities and equal roles. I'm all for equal opportunities. I believe that every woman must be given the right to go to school. Do you believe that? Do you know in my time, well, praise God, my parents were not like that, but definitely in my mother's time, women were never sent to school. If the parents could not afford it, they would only send the male, the son to school. The women wouldn't get to go to school. And so I believe equal opportunities for votes, equal opportunities even for jobs. I believe that women should be able to become prime ministers if they're capable and they don't run the country down. Because it's not about whether they're male or female. So I do believe in equal opportunities. But when we talk about equal roles in the home and in the family, it's another ball game. Now tomorrow, I will deal with that whole topic and the whole topic of submission and what does it mean that the woman is the suitable helpmate of the man? It's a huge topic, so I can't do it all at once. But I want to mention that to a certain extent, the feminist movement was not a bad movement. It was just that in a struggle to find who we are, what is our worth, that the woman lost the bearings or the boundaries of how to do this. And as a result of this, it ended up with female pleasure when it came to sex. Now, let me just uh, give you an idea of how these things hits at us women. You know, we all don't come from perfect families. I don't come from a perfect family. And I, a lot of my womanhood came from me seeing my mother uh, bring up her children. And it was a very painful thing to watch. In fact, I used to say to myself, it's so unfair for us women. My mother had four girls, all four were girls. The last one only was a boy. And my mother knew that unless she produced a boy, she was, a, she was not a good enough daughter-in-law. Her mother-in-law would say that you are not giving me the right gender. And because of this, you are not valuable. So her worth was dependent on whether she had sons or had daughters. And unfortunately, she had daughter after daughter after daughter after daughter. And she used to say to me, Ayah. Okay, translation. What is for? A liability, not an asset. Women were a liability, not an asset. And then she would look at me. The problem with me was that I was very clever. I was very smart. I could do a lot of things. But at six years old, I could call the fire brigade to save my family from a fire at the back of the house. Yeah, that kind of thing. Like, you know, I just happened to be that kind of person. You know, can do all kinds of things. And my mother would say to me, Ah, yes, Now, interpretation, interpretation. Wasted, you are a woman. What a waste, you are a woman. If you are a man, ah, then only it counts. In other words, my worth, my value, whether I could call the fire brigade to save my family was wasted because I was a woman. So unfair, right? What has that got to do with men or women, right? But that was how I was brought up. So my mother said to me, you know what? You must be so good at everything, even if the men leave you, you can still survive. To a certain extent, I agree with that. Number one, I said, you must learn how to cook. You must learn how to sew. So I know how to cook. I know how to sew. I know how to bake cakes. I know, actually, I know how to do everything. I know. Only nowadays, don't know only. <laughs> Ever since we become pastor, everything we don't know. You must know how to play the piano. And then we didn't have money, so we didn't have a piano. She says, just imagine it's a piano. La, and then just play can you imagine I had to learn how to play piano by imagining there's a piano? 
You must learn to do everything. You must be clever. You must do everything. You must be the most successful. Now, inside me, a worth that was conferred upon me was that I must be do better than any man. I have to be the best at everything. And a high-performance nature came to us, came to me. And I believe a lot of women has been given that by their mothers. I believe that. And it's not helpful. And I'll tell you why. By the time I went to university, and, you know, I went to university in, in, in Scotland, right? University of Edinburgh. And up to then, I've never been abroad. To me, every white person must be brilliant because we come from the schools that study British history, British what, British everything. Uh, so everything white is superior, everything colored is inferior. So I thought that if, when I went to university, I thought, oh my gosh, these guys are going to kill me, they're going to defeat me, they will all be better than me. And I developed anorexia nervosa, even though I had top grades. I had top grades, I, I won awards, but I had anorexia nervosa. Why? Because inside me, I was fighting for my worth. What actually substantiates my worth? Then you know what? You look at people like Imelda Marcos. To her, her worth is many thousand pairs of shoes. And our friend, you know who? Uh, to her, her worth is, we shall not mention her name. Her worth is many thousands of Hermes. Is it Hermes? Is it called Hermes? What, what's the name of that bag? Hermes, yeah, I thought it's don't know what maze, like, you know. You must have many thousands of Hermes bags. That was her word. Now, what are they fighting for? They're not fighting for handbags. Have some heart for them. They're not fighting for shoes. They're fighting for worth. And not only that, they know that their country would never make them the prime minister. So they chuchuk the husband, no? That's why husband become like that, no? So to a certain extent, women will then want to get their worth that way. And I, you know something, I know some women, they get their worth because they're so tall, so beautiful, so without blemish. I have no hope. I'm, I discovered I'm less than 1.5 meters tall. I went to the doctor the other day, he measured me. I said, please tell me how tall I am. And he says, you are 1.48. Oh no, I'm not even 1.5. How can I then find my worth in my looks, okay? It was a terrible journey. But sincerely speaking, it affected my marriage. Do you know it was my search for worth that affected my marriage? I didn't know it then. And so I was, I thought that if you marry, the most, you know, I tick every box for my husband, Mano, before I married him. Godly man, a very spiritual. He was already preaching in his church, already a church leader, 19 years old, already preached. Uh, and then he was a doctor, can earn some money, one. Yeah. And then he's very, very, uh, very faithful looking, except that he dressed like uh, Abeng, Abeng. Uh, that was the only problem. But then Abengs are faithful one. Abengs are quite faithful, yeah. So to be like, he ticked everything, huh? so it should be no problem, right? So the worth could be that you marry a man that's so perfect. But then I realized I was, a really, I was an imperfect wife because I somehow we quarreled a lot. I want to let you know, first 10 years of our lives, we quarreled a lot. Everybody said, oh no, what the kind of pastors do we have? The real reason was that I was dealing with myself. I'm sure he was. And I, I wanted him to make me happy. And do you know, my husband said to me one day, I cannot make you happy, you know. If you want to be happy, you have to make yourself happy. <laughs> what kind of husband is that, huh? <laughs> and then 
when I read girls, if you haven't got married yet, don't expect, don't expect your husbands to make you happy. I used to then, from now on, I train all my young girls, young girls, actually young adults, you should invite me to talk to them. I'll train them how to be happy. <laughs> you better get yourselves happy before you get married. Otherwise, your marriage will kill you and you will kill him also. Because both don't know how to make each other happy. Amen? Yeah. Come on. Amen. That's the truth of it. That's the truth of it. Because no, I came to the conclusion, he is not God. He cannot give me self-worth. Amen? And that's why it was tough. And that is when I'm just so great. And some more, I used to pray in those days, you know, very stupid prayer. Oh, Lord God, change him. <laughs> and then the Lord said back to me, when you change, everything will change. God got a sense of humor. I don't know about you in your conversations to God, but I have wonderful conversations to God because do you know something? It is in our time with God that God began to speak. I'm so blessed because soon after, in 1984, when I was filled with the Holy Spirit, I began to realize that God is here to define us. If we as women allow the men to define us, whether they define us, whether we should be fat or thin or tall or slim. If we allow possessions to define us, whether it's her maze bags or shoes or what. If we allow our cleverness to define us, whether we should be CEO of how many companies. If we allow our children to define us, what if the children fail us? Oh no. All this will not help. So what defines a woman's worth? This is where the Lord, I'm going to give you three points, creation, Christ, and truth. The Lord spoke to me. I love the Lord because He defined my worth. And this is, oh, come on, give God a big clap. Give God a big clap. You know, girls, I want to say something to you. If you can find your worth, then no matter who you marry, you will marry well. You know why? Because a happy wife is a happy life. That's what the men say. I didn't say that. And men, in case you didn't know, don't try to understand us women. We were fearfully and wonderfully made. And not only that, we cannot be... No, you should read it in the NLT. And we cannot be understood. <laughs> That's what the NLT says. So I want to give you this verse. This is the most important verse. You see, the whole of the pain of womanhood and the whole that did not start in Genesis chapter 1. It started in Genesis chapter 3. And of course, you know that the beginning does not start in Genesis chapter 3, right? The beginning of creation starts in Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning. Everybody say, in the beginning. Yeah. All the girls say, in the beginning. Yeah. All the girls say, in the beginning. Yeah. We had great worth. Amen? It is only after the fall that the serpent drew us away from God and we no longer know who we are. If you're not a believer today, I want to tell you, you will find it hard to know how great is your worth. You'll find it very, very hard. You try to measure it, but it's going to be impossible because the worth of a human soul cannot be measured. Because human beings were made in the image of God. And I actually like it better in the, in the, in the Latin, which says, imago Dio. In the image of God. Do you know what it means to be made in the image of God? And I'm going to read the whole verse. And let's all read this verse, shall we? Let's all read this verse. We should all memorize this verse. And especially in these days of gender confusion, alright? Incidentally, Kid Zone, 
train the children to memorize this verse because this is a cardinal verse to prevent any child from wondering if they're male or female, bird or animal, fish or rabbit. <laughs> memorize this verse. Let's go to it. One, two, three. Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Look at it twice. Uh, twice it says mankind in our image. And then one more time, let us make mankind in our image. In the nature of God. Do you know every human being was created by God to be divine? That is the truth. You don't believe it? That's the whole purpose of Christ's redemption. The whole purpose of Christ's redemption is to bring us back to the original value of the human being. That is the purpose of redemption. The whole purpose of redemption is to bring us back to really why God made us. We were made in the image of God. Now, what does that mean? That means all the glory of God is actually found in human beings. And you know what? Girls, come tomorrow. Girls, you have five treasures that God has made you. And if you want to know more, come tomorrow. But I want to tell you, what does it mean to be made in the image of God? That means, you know, I, I took the young adults through this, right? What does it mean to be made to carry the glory of God? That means we will carry the kindness of God. Girls, you are more compassionate than the men because you have a womb. And the name womb is rakam. And the rakam is the same word as compassionate for God. And that is why women are generally more sensitive, more kind, more compassionate. Because that's how God created women. Men are more brave, more, child, more willing to kill the lion and the bear. More willing to climb mountains because that's how God made them. Because that's the nature of God. We carry the glory of God. That's why... Brothers and sisters, okay, brothers, you're eavesdropping, so we won't talk to you. That's why, girls, you don't want to be a rabbit. You don't want to be a, a little puppy, no matter how cute and how pretty it is. They do not carry the glory of God. A puppy cannot be compassionate, cannot be kind, cannot... I, I better not say too much because all the puppy lovers will kill me. But they cannot carry the value of the human soul. And that is why we must say we are made in the image of God. Now, that by itself was not sufficient for me. Because my mother used to say to me, you know, you women, you really have no value. If to, you know, okay, nowadays mothers don't say such things. But in my time, mothers say such things. Tong fu to mo an oil. Interpretation. Well, obviously all of you didn't go through that traumatic journey that I went through. Tong fu to mo an oil means like that. The value of a female is so little in value that even the value of a pair of trousers, and in those days, they don't have Nike, they don't have Levi jeans, they don't have your Armani jeans. It is just the Pasa Malam uh, pajamas, trousers, okay? In those days, the, the young people are looking at me like, really? Yeah. So those pajama trousers that you see in Pasar Malam, even that has more value than a woman. My mother used to say that to me. And because I've already, you know, when I was in school, right, so I am a good student, I am very clever, yeah, but that boy is also very clever. I still cannot forget this incident. Uh, I always tell it to my girls. Uh, I was uh, in the lab, science lab, and we were doing an experiment, and my Bunsen burner caught fire. 
And so the boys who were competing with me for the chemistry prize ran from the back of the class to the front and laughed at me. I felt so humiliated. And so these are the things that traumatize us as women. And another thing, please don't tell, and your girls, I'm only talking to you, don't tell the men. All right? Do you know when I took on a leadership position and when I went into that meeting, somebody actually said to me, what makes you think? You are a woman, you know. What makes you think you have the character to lead us? I thought to myself, just because I'm a woman, I got no character, meh. Then the man only got character, meh. I actually think I have character more. I just thought, I do it. I think I never committed adultery. I never found four satyans. I never killed anyone. I think I got character, ma. But why did the guy? Because these type of words do come at us as women. And so I was fight. So when I was, okay, praise God, by the time this guy said that, I was not afraid. In fact, I had so much self-confidence. I said, okay, okay, uh, this is not important. I think he's dealing with his self-worth and his journey. Uh, I am very, uh, very, very at ease and I'm very at peace. I'm very, I know myself. Uh, I think God is just teaching me how to lead men uh, properly with respect and honour. Yeah, so it's a lesson to learn. But I'll tell you this. In fighting for our worth, the Lord spoke to me a very beautiful, beautiful verse, which I'll show you now. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18 and 19, or rather 18 to 20. You see, brothers and sisters, why I would encourage you, when you become a believer, to always want to spend time with God and to read the Bible, because God needs to redefine everything that's been defined wrongly. Do you agree with me? Do you believe that God knows what He's doing? So everything that has gone wrong, that's why you're a believer. Otherwise, what are you believing in? I mean, you don't want to believe just in coming to church. Church is not going to define you. But what defines you is God's Word. So I am so blessed. From the moment I was filled with the Spirit, I would go to the Lord every morning. Even no matter what happens, I allowed God to speak to me. Do you know something? Tell you a secret. Uh, girls, girls, I tell you a secret. Even when I was very down and I felt I'd made a foolish mistake or people were upset with me, I don't go to my husband first. You know why? In case he said, Yalo, you like that one? Mm. <laughs> so don't go to the man first. I go to God first because he would always speak very powerfully to me because he would teach me this. Now look at me. Look straight at me and let me tell you the facts. So I was dealing with what is my worth? What actually is my worth? Since my mother said, the actual measurement of a woman's worth is less than a pair of pyjamas trousers. What actually is my worth? Then the Lord said this. If your worth could be measured in terms of silver and gold, all the silver and all the gold in the world is insufficient to measure your worth. Because the price of silver and gold can fluctuate. Today it may be up, the next day it may be down. And not only that, it is the human soul is priceless. It is beyond, impossible. So how does God measure our worth? The precious blood of the Son of God. And the Lord said to me, because in Romans 5, we are told, if indeed God could have saved us using a righteous man to jump and save us, maybe we have some worth. Maybe if I was Mother Teresa, someone might jump into the river and save me. But I am a sinner. I'm powerless. I can't. I, I, don't, I don't know what's my worth. So who is going to jump into that river to save me? Wow, Jesus didn't just jump to the river. He jumped into the very depths of who I was. And he rescued me. When I began, therefore, to say, wow, the value of my soul is the price of the blood 
of Jesus Christ. That is why every time I take communion, I say, Lord, I thank you. I am priceless. It is not even Mother Teresa that you sent to die for me. It's not even some great famous guy, some great saint. It is your son. And not only just any son, your only son. That is the value of the human soul. So girls, say, I am very valuable. If you don't know it, it's because you have not internalized it. I would like you, no matter what you're going through, if you're beginning to say, must I get married? Only then I have value. Must I have children? Then only I have value. Must I have lots of boyfriends? Then only I have many value. Must I attract all these looks and Instagram posts? Then only I have very value. As long as you're dealing with these questions, you need to begin to say, Lord, let me interact with you. All the Instagram likes cannot add value to me because tomorrow someone can unlike me and I would be devastated. Do you know in my days, praise God, there was no Instagram. But when I was in school, many people don't like me. I was not popular. I don't know why I was not popular. I was nice girl, ma. I don't know why I'm not popular. Leh. I was simply not popular. I was not made a prefect. It hurts me. It really is. I thought maybe I'm short. That's why I'm not popular. Then maybe I am. I was so short. I was always at front. Maybe I'm, I talk too much. And I thought that maybe, you know, I used to think, Oh, it's because I talk too much. And I thought, every godly woman doesn't talk one. Praise God. My worth is not whether I talk or don't talk. I thank God. I have the gift of the gap. Then can talk to you. But we must realize our worth can, if you're struggling with all that, you have to say to yourself, actually, I am valuable. The blood of Jesus Christ was shed for me. Not even the blood of some great famous man. Not even the blood of some idol that you love. But the blood of Jesus Christ. That is the value of my soul. And if God says I have value, if God is for me, who can be against me? The meaning of that verse means, if God says I have value, who can say I have no value? Amen. Come on, girl says, if God says I have value, say after me. If God says I have value, come on, if you're a girl, say this. If God says I have, say it loud, girl, say it loud. I know you can talk. <laughs> One, two, three, go. If God says I have value, who can say I have no value? Not your friend, not some guy, not some anybody, nothing can say you have no value. Amen. 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 And I'm a firm believer. When women are confident in knowing who they are, the men will find their confidence. And the men too. We will know our roles. Amen? Now, I want to also now add one more truth. So, I just give you this slide. I want you to look at this again. In the image of God, He created them. Male and female, He created them. Equal value, equal worth. Everybody say, men and women have equal value, equal worth. Equally empowered. Everybody say, equally empowered. Now, what that means is this. Men and women were supposed to work together to dominate the earth, the created things, not each other. Male were never meant to dominate. Female, female, the male. Hebrew was not meant to dominate. 
uh, another race, another race not. Neither was a slave meant to dominate the master, nor the master the slave. Human beings were never meant to dominate each other. They were meant to build each other. But we were meant to subdue the created things of the earth. Amen? Amen? So we don't dominate each other. We rule the earth. We rule the created things. And then we will know we have different composition and different roles. Now I want to therefore show you then this chart. In God's world, what is the difference? If indeed the traditional view of women is that they have no value, they are just a possession, the man dominates, and the only purpose is to have children. And in a women's world, the women must have equal rights, equal pleasure, and equal opportunities. In God's world, women have equal value. They Together, we to fulfill the role of uh, dominating the earth or God's creation. We may have different roles. But as far as sex is concerned, it's for mutual pleasure. And that's where I come to a very important topic called sex. Permit me to share on this because after all, I'm the mother of the house. Do you agree I'm the mother of the house? If I don't share this, who else can share this, right? So I'm going to talk a little bit about sex. First of all, to the married women and also to everyone. God is not anti-sex. Don't let the devil and don't let your friends tell you that. That God is so prudish, he's anti-sex. He's not anti-sex. He created sex. But what did he create sex for? So I'm going to give you 1 Corinthians chapter 7. In this inc incidentally, you should attend uh, Pastor Jeffrey's course on Song of Solomon's. I think he's talking a lot about sex there. <laughs> okay. If you look at this verse... In 1 Corinthians 7, verse 9, uh, it says there, And the husband should fulfill his wife's sexual needs, and the wife should fulfill her husband's needs. So it's not who dominates who. It's not which, are we going for male pleasure or female pleasure? But actually, the real truth is that the man must satisfy the wife's needs, and the wife satisfy the husband's needs. The wife gives authority over her body to her husband. It's really about mutual. And the husband, he gives authority over this body to the wife. And then it says here, and I want married women to really listen to this, do not deprive each other of sexual relations unless you both agree to refrain from sexual intimacy for a time so that you can give yourselves completely to pray. But don't pray so long until you totally don't have sex at all. Because then it's asking for trouble. Because it says here, indeed, Afterwards, you should come together again so that Satan won't be able to tempt you because of your lack of self-control. I want to first say that sex was created by God for mutual pleasure in the covenant of marriage and not outside marriage. Now, address the women first who are already married. Women, after you have children, please don't put your baby between husband and you alone. How to have sex, huh? And the children should not stay in the same room until he's 10 years old. How to have sex? If you do that, you're really asking for a bad marriage. The man cannot tahan man. You make him tempted low. But all the women quiet. <laughs> but I want to mention this to the girls. Girls, it is very important that you keep yourself pure before marriage. And I'll tell you what. Before I do that, I want to introduce an incredible book. You should read it, Isaac. You would love this book. Sean would love it too. 
because it is, it is a powerful book. It's written by a sociologist, not a Christian. It's not a Christian. It's not about sex at all. The whole of this book is about Plato and democracy. And it's a very profound book. I love it. So thick. It's a very profound book. I, I don't know. I, I just read it. It's a, and he, in one chapter, he deals with the power. He, just in one chapter only, he deals with this thing called female modesty, which he said that if you really take democracy along its furthest route, it will end up in sexual promiscuity. He's just saying that. It's a very good book. He talks about what happens when women go to war and they are soldiers. Yes, they prove that they can fight as strong as the men. But what do women have to give up when they go to war? One of the things women have to give up when they go to war is this natural instinct to be sensitive and to feel pain or to be compassionate. When a woman gives up her sensitivity to be compassionate, she has to kill that part of her and actually she can end up a better warrior. But that part of her which makes her a woman is lost. So you should read this book because it talks of the complexity of this kind of thinking through the ages. And he says this, it's called The Closing of the American Mind. It was the bestseller, uh, uh, quite an old book. Modesty in the old dispensation was a female virtue because it governed the powerful desire that related men to women, providing a gratification in harmony with the procreation and rearing of children. I told you it's a profound book. That's why Chong the risk and responsibility of which fell naturally on women. In other words, he's saying, female, it is a female virtue, female modesty. And it governed the way men related to women. But it did make childbearing as well as raising children the responsibility of women. Although modesty impeded sexual intercourse, its result was to make such gratification central to a serious life and to enhance the delicate interplay between the sexes. When modesty is removed, then sex is easily obtained. Without the male rising to its call to play a serious role to manhood in provision and protection of his family and future welfare. Let me now interpret this. When the man courts a woman and, and he doesn't get to have sex until his marriage day, and he goes before you, girls, how many girls are not yet married? Put up your hands. This is the dream of your dream. The man says to you, forsaking all others, I cling only to you. We better hope it's true. <laughs> but it is a wonderful thought. You want them to say that. I am talking about worth. What causes us to have incredible worth? Number one, we are made in the image of God. Not in the image of some animal. Not in the image of some flower. Not even in the image of a rainbow, but in the image of the divine God. What gives us worth? Not silver, not gold, not a thousand pairs of shoes, not one million boyfriends going after us, but the blood of Jesus Christ. But what gives us worth? The way we allow the men to chase us and to treasure us. If a man has to play the role of a man and rise to manhood, in order to get the girl that he wants. And he says to you, forsaking all others, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, I hold only to you. What does he say? Wow, I must be valuable, right? Now I know, don't, 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 go, don't think bad thoughts, think good thoughts. <laughs> that is why sex in marriage is powerful. Because the man has to wait for that moment. Now let's go the other extreme. 
Let's say now, in this world, modern world, we are told that you can have sex whenever you want. In fact, the guys, guys in this church don't do that, of course. We hope so. But we're not talking to them tonight. Uh, we're only talking to the girls. If a girl, guy say to you, says, if you love me, give me sex. Actually, he's asking you for the wrong thing. I want to give you a very good advice. I want to say this. The real last bastion for sexual immorality is not all the pet talks. The last bastion of sexual, against sexual immorality is the woman saying, no, I will not have sex with you when you want and whenever, except when I'm married. Because when a woman says no to a man, the man can't actually do anything. If he forces on you, it's called rape. And he goes to jail. All girls says amen. <laughs> so your boyfriend forcing you to have sex is going to go to jail. Because I'll tell you why. If you make sex easy, give this slide, powerful slide. Sex is easy. The guys don't have to work at their manhood. So easy to get. You want it, they give it to you. And then they talk about you some more. No? Where is the value of a woman? She's cheap, easy to get. Do you think the man is going to rise up to some manhood? No. There's no serious call to manhood. He will not rise up to commit. He will just say, let's have a live-in relationship. What is a live-in relationship? There's no commitment. When he feels like it, he walks out. Where is the value of a woman? You're left hanging there. It is a lie, girls. It is a lie. And it causes us to doubt who we are. It makes us begin to feel, why am I made a woman? Why do we women have to carry this baggage? And that is because you have given into the lie of the world that tells you that if you say yes to the men, you might be more wanted. No, you feel not loved. Women don't go into sex for sex sakes. Men might. But women go into sex because they think that they are worth something to that guy. But to the guys, they don't think like that. So we want them to rise to the commitment, to sacrifice, to devotion, to give us, to protect us, to provide for us. How is that going to happen if we're so easy to get? No. Girls, say to, let's say this together. I'm a woman. I'm priceless. You cannot simply get me. Well, girls, you better say that. Lah. Anyone can get you, man. And you know, girls, I say this. It's very sad to me when Christian girls go for married men. I want to say this to you. Never do that because God will never let you go because you're destroying a family. You're destroying a family. Don't do that. So girls say, I am valuable. I will not give myself to anyone, especially any man except the one God has chosen for you. Amen? You must say you are valuable. Girls, I want to say this to you. When you say no to sex, they can't do anything. They will just have to wait. And in the waiting, they become real men. The muscles grow, six-packs grow, they trim their beards, they look more handsome. Yeah, because they want to chase you, ma. Finally, dressing. So three thoughts about sex. First, within marriage. Secondly, don't let the men have it all the time. Thirdly, dressing. I want to say this about dressing. If you dress 
I'm incidentally, I am fashionable. You know that, right? But I am now. If you dress inappropriately, I want to tell you something about the men. When they are looking for a wife, they are not looking for a HOR. They are also not looking for someone that is going to lust after that girl. Do you know when we dress, we can either provoke a man to lust or we can provoke a man to rise to their manhood and want to go for the girl. It's different. Provoking a guy to lust will make us cheap. Provoking a guy to value us will make us worthy. So when we dress inappropriately, do you know what? Even walking down the street, even any guy can look at you. And do you think that's what you're made of? You know, there was once, I still remember, uh, you know men, they're very interesting, right? So again, I'm not talking to the men. The men today, they're asleep. I'm only talking to the girls. You know men, they're very funny. You know? When they see girls uh, dressed like that, they look, 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 look. Uh. But when their wives dress inappropriately, they will, they will not like it. So there was once I was going out. Not that my husband looked at everybody. Lah, he doesn't. Lah. But I better qualify that statement first. He doesn't look at everyone. But he, I, was, I was just about to go out. And then I think my, 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 my blouse was just a little bit lower than I should have. Immediately, my husband said to me, do not wear that. Go back and change. Why? Because I was not honouring him. Because I was not honouring him, I was demeaning him. Because I was demeaning myself. And when I demean myself, I demean my husband. And that is why dressing is important. It's part of our worth. Do we want to, others to look at us? Even the booths that is along the street and give a booth bristle and make us look cheap and make us feel same. And they treat us as cheap and draws out lust. Or do we want the men to look at us and say, Wow, this girl is I really want to rise up as a man and go for her. Which do we want? So ladies, today, I'm trying to say that our worth is measured by the fact that we are made in the image of God. Amen? And that it is Christ's blood that has died for us. Not some guy, not some mother or father even, but God Himself. And thirdly, just, do you know something, women? Just being a woman, you are worth a lot. Men will climb the highest mountain, swim the deeper sea just to go for you. Then you say, why now? This don't have a... Maybe because we make ourselves cheap, low, easy to get low. So men don't have to climb any mountain, low. They just have to climb up, walk up the stairs so they don't want to walk anymore, low. Amen? So I want us to know that we carry tremendous worth. And I want to end then, let's just quote Psalm 139 together. Shall we do that? Let's just read this psalm together and we're going to just do this. One, two, three, go. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful and I know that full well. Let's all stand up and say this one more time. One, two, three. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful and I know that full well. What it means simply is that we are created beautifully. 
intricately. And the word fearfully simply means awesomely. Awesomely made. And that is who we are. So you never want to be an animal, no matter how cute is the animal. You never want to be the moon, the stars, or the, or the, or the rainbow. You just want to be a human being made in the image of God. Amen. And all of us girls say, I want to be a woman. I don't need to be a man to be worth something more. I am a woman and that is who I am. Amen. Come on, let's just worship. We're going to worship now. And I'm going to invite, I'm going to give an altar call. You know, I want to pray for the girls. Well, not me, but all the pastors can help me. And uh, I would especially like the girls to help me pray. But the guys also pray. Lah. I think, I would, first of all, marriages. If you are uh, got, going through something in your marriage, do come out. And I want to pray for especially if you're struggling to find your self-worth. If you're struggling to find your self-worth, do come out. We really want to pray for you. And just for any reason, as you know, today, whatever I share, touch a little thing in you. Just come out and we will pray for you Because we really want to bless you That from today onwards You will know that you're wonderfully And fearfully made by God Amen Even as the music continues to play in the background I want all of you In the closing stages of this evening Especially if you are a mother Can you just You're here Can I encourage If you're a son or daughter or a husband can you just spend some time ministering to your mom? Just put your arms around her. Will you do that? It's Mother's Day, right? It's Mother's Day. Do that, church. Do that. Come, every one of you. Love your mother. You're only one mother, no? Only one mother. And he, she's, she's unique, you know? So I want you to spend some time And those of you I want to commit Especially single mothers Even a single mother God wants to encourage you To strengthen you To tell you that Even as you parent your children You're not alone Amen God will re-father your children He will re-father your children So, so just spend a moment of quietness Before we close Will you do that? Every one of you and those of you with the mothers are not here, I want you to phone her, encourage her, say something and to your mother. There is Mother's Day. Will you do that? And I want to encourage and assure every woman, whether you are married or not married, you are of birth. Understand? I'm very sure some of the experiences that Pastor Lichu went through, you also went through. Let's let's allow God to heal all those wounds. I saw the, 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 this woundedness. Allow God to heal that wound. Will you do that? Whether you're a child, whether you are a daughter, or whether you are a mother. Will you allow God to heal that wound? Please. Let's, let's spend a moment of quietness. Let's not rush it. Okay, I know it's a little bit off time. But can you allow the Spirit of God access into your inner spirit to heal any wounds that you have? any wounds that you have whether it be from your son from your daughter from your in-law or from your husband I encourage you let healing take place right now in Jesus name I want to on behalf of all the husbands ask the wives to forgive us will you forgive us because we are not perfect husbands we say wrong things we do things that should not do and we do not do things that we should have done 
will you forgive us on behalf of all the husbands forgive please forgive us we are not perfect so will you forgive us please forgive us so on behalf of all the husbands i want to say to you today will you forgive us forgive us we do our very best shot in early days we work 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 why for what for the children for the family's sake we have neglected in many ways our family forgive us will you forgive us that we have not shown enough love for you will you forgive us and this day on mother's day 2023 let us start again some of you are, are oldie but never mind it's never too old, understand? Would you give us a second chance, third chance, fourth chance? That for mine does matter. But give us another chance. Forgive us. We have not perfect husbands. We are not perfect fathers. Please forgive us. So I just give you a moment before I close and just pray once again for all mothers before I close and families as well. I want to pray for families. in Jesus name I commit entire families to you right now in Jesus name I commit marriages to you right now in Jesus name I want to commit parental relationships right now to you in Jesus name I want to pray that where there were there are hurts let there be healings where there are wounds father in Jesus name Paul the oil of Gilead so that there will be restoration and healing of hurts and wounds whatever it is whether it be from the son the daughter or from the husband or from the father or the in-law in jesus name let there be healing today 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 let there be a reconciliation and a restoration of relationships oh hallelujah father Father, in Jesus' name, help us remember the good times. Help us remember the good days and the bad memories. Help us, Lord, to let it fade dimmer and dimmer into the background. Oh, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, help, Lord. Help us, Father, Lord. Help us in Jesus' name. There may be love once again. There will be laughter once again. There will be love once again in the family. So I bless all families today. I bless every family represented here today and online as well. Wherever you are, may the Lord bless you. There will always be joy, always be laughter, always be love in your home. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father, for a wonderful Mother's Day. I want to pray that help us remember every one of us are made in the image of God. We are of value. Every one of us is of value. So I'm going to pray that even as we leave this place this evening, embedded in our spirit, man, that whether whatever our status may be, whether we are a single parent or a married wife, we are of worth. Amen. And our worth is found in Jesus Christ. Our worth is found in who we are in Christ. Thank you, Jesus.
Thank you, Father, for this reminder. Thank you, Father, Lord. And now as we leave this place, may your spirit continue to, to encourage us, empower us, and remind us that we are of birth. We are of immense birth. Thank you, Lord. Separate us now with your blessing. And may the Lord bless you and keep you this day. May the Lord make His face always to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the good Lord turn His face towards every one of you, your loved ones, your family, and always grant you His shalom. In Jesus' precious name we pray because people say, God bless you. If you can't come tomorrow, go online and hear the second half of the message of womanhood. Alright? God bless you. Have a wonderful Mother's Weekend, Mother's Day weekend.